1: to drive the ball at times, thought we were playing aggressive, attacking downhill, struggled to finish at times, but I thought we generated some wide-open threes that just didn't go down for us, so, um, you know, there's no moral victories, you know, we're not walking out of here saying, hey, we played the Lakers really tough.
0: You're listening to
1: The dick. The Dig.
0: What is up, Nuggets fans? This is The Dig. I'm your host, Nick. I'm joined by Jeremy. How you doing, Jeremy?
1: I'm tired. I was up till four last night for no reason. Just couldn't sleep? Yeah. And that's one of those terrible feelings of like, there you are laying there and you're like, why? Why can't I get anywhere? Like, not even the slightest bit tired.
0: Yeah, I've had a rough week of sleep too. Last night was because my ear was clogged all night and it was driving me crazy. (laughs) <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, before that, and I should, this is actually something I should throw out. Uh, our cat was killed over the weekend by, uh, urban coyote, which I did not even know was a thing. Like, but apparently there are coyotes all over the place in the Denver metro area. We found out about this more after this happened, we started looking into it and it was like, yeah, like this, they're just everywhere in Inglewood and where we live and in a lot of places. So anyway, a uh, community service note to, uh, keep your pets safe. It was, um, a pretty traumatic episode for us. And I would like to save anybody from going through that if they don't have to. So.
1: Yeah. It's funny. Like as a young adult, you, uh, you feel like stuff like that is stupid. And at least I don't, I did. Yeah. No, I did uh, too. And, and, or before you have a pet or, Yeah. I mean, it's before you have a pet. Or, or maybe before you're, you you had the responsibility of a pet, and yeah. the that they play it, it like being worth the responsibility of it. Um, yeah, it's just totally different on the other side. And I don't know, maybe maybe we deserve to be made fun of, but it's still yeah, it's I don't care. a Terrible thing to go through. Yeah,
0: it was. Yeah, it was. It wasn't a fun experience for sure. And and uh, uh, apparently this is um, pretty common. So anyway, I just thought I'd throw that out there for anybody who isn't. Isn't aware. Uh, I I know I certainly I, like wasn't even on my radar at all. I had no idea that that was something you had to be concerned about with your pets. So the theme. All right. So we're recording this on Wednesday evening after the Lakers lost last night. And we should probably talk a little bit about that game and what we saw from the team that will lead into the topic, the theme for the show, which is Dazed and Confused, Why the Nuggets Have Us All Scratching Our Heads, Just sort of a follow-up to the article that I wrote today. My Five Things article was about uh, five head-scratching things about the Nuggets offense right now, so check that out if you haven't already. But uh, we're going to kind of build on that and, and get into some of these just sort of confusing things about the team right now and, and some of the issues that they're having. But, yeah, just general thoughts about the, the game last night, Jeremy.
1: You might have accidentally, uh, I should say inadvertently, walked us into an episode full of Matthew McConaughey quotes from Dazed and Confused. <laughs> so I'm going to prepare you for that.
0: All right, all right, all right.
1: But exactly. That's the movie that it's from. <laughs> um, so Lakers game. Um, first of all, like what I have to say is I really enjoyed that game. I did too. Okay, cool. I'm glad you're on yeah. board with that because uh-huh. I, I know how frustrating those games can get. And as always, we were we were linked through our cell phones to one lad, DeJong, who just erupts with fire every five minutes and sign, you know stops watching left and right. Yeah. <laughs> the amount I times... think he had the team. Oh, go ahead.
0: Yeah. Was he, did he recommend breaking up the team last night at some point probably? Uh, yeah. I don't, remember, I, mean, but... I don't know
1: how many times you can quit watching a game in <laughs> one game. <laughs> I, it should, the answer should be one, but apparently it's not, um, it, but like in the end I I felt myself, it was like a playoff game. Like I felt myself not breathing for minutes at a time and Mm. it was, it was like, it was like, there was like a horror movie or something like that where, you know, some highbrow Harry says, you know, I can't believe you enjoy watching somebody die or something like that. And you don't, you don't, you don't enjoy watching your nuggets lose of course not but there's a suspense to it that that you have to admit is is in a weird way enjoyable and so the entire game i, I felt that tension and that suspense and um and they played hard you know it wasn't like yeah. some sloppy throwaway game so uh i i did enjoy it that's one thing i have to kind of clear the air on
0: yeah I'll agree with you on that. I mean, it was a one point game with two minutes left, right? Mm-hmm. Like we had a we had a really tight, fun game to watch. It was just a really frustrating game uh, because they couldn't shoot. Yeah, and they were missing every wide open shot they got, which wasn't a ton of wide open shots, but they did get a number of good looks that they just couldn't knock down. I mean, Barton was like, I don't know, one for eight from three. I think the team on the whole was like six for twenty nine from three. I mean that's in a in a in a tight game against a really good team. that's that's killer. yeah, and then there was a huge free throw disparity. The rebounding disparity was enormous. I think I think they got out rebounded by twenty one.
1: Yeah, that might be the most grotesque like statistical comparison out of out of all the different stats you can look at. Um,
0: it, yeah. So, to, so to only lose that game by seven, right? You know, right in the last couple of minutes. I mean, that and that's really, really like a testament seven. to how good the defense is.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, down to the last whatever thirty seconds or whatever it was, like five or right or three yeah. even or something three. like that. So. Um yeah actually today it was really frustrating um one of the, the Ringers podcast uh one of the guys talked about um the the Nuggets getting blown out by the Lakers and it just it was so frustrating cuz really that that game came down to the wire seven points or not but um yeah it was a game of like a, a tale of two halves like really and, and not that they were bad in one and good in the other it's just that thing things that were so lopsided in one wound up being completely lopsided the other way.
0: I, You know, Jokic, you know, coming out of the game, I think Jokic was the big storyline uh, about how how dramatically he got outplayed by Anthony Davis, uh, certainly on the scoring end. He got out-rebounded by him. I mean, he just, you know, looked looked much better. Jokic said after the game, which I thought was interesting, that, you know, he, he he's just not confident in his shot right now. Uh and he's he's really frustrated by that clearly. Um, and Malone talked about just shot making in general being one of the main problems last night. Uh that and the rebound disparity. And, you know, it, it's easy to look at that game and say, yeah, if the Nuggets make a couple more threes, if Jokic, you know, doesn't shoot three uh four for twelve, if he goes, I don't know, six for twelve like normal, you know, it's a tie game. Seven for twelve, something like that. Like they're you know, it's a it's a totally different game. Uh, it, you know, maybe, maybe it's that that razor thin of a of a margin for error right now. Like, you know, when you're playing a great team like L.A., the, the shots are tough. You know, they are long. You mentioned that. They are it, – it, actually, I didn't realize how big that team was until that game last night, I think. Yeah. It just seemed like every shot the Nuggets took, they were shooting over arms. Right.
1: And you brought and, up – actually, yeah, you're right. There was one play in particular where um, Jokic – didn't realize even how tall how, how the the shooter was, and that that was maybe the first time I've ever noticed Jokic like undershoot something. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't because he was undershooting; it was he had it was like a you know classic twelve foot shot, uh, which usually you have good separation and you yeah, don't have to like worry about it, it. Like even against tall guys, you don't have to worry about it. But but even he still undershot it for for what he was up against. Um, but just one, one thing you you mentioned him against Anthony Davis and and I think that's that's it can be an unfair comparison. It's one thing that to look at stats and it's another to look at matchups. And I I think largely it was it was it wasn't Jokic versus Anthony Davis. It was Jokic versus uh, you know Dwight Howard or yeah. Uh, or what's his face? Right, um, JaVale, McGee. JaVale McGee. Yeah, not
0: not so much just because yeah, I I think just the fact that they're the the team's leading big man uh, I think is why that kind of became the the narrative, not because they were guarding each other the entire right. game.
1: But it, that's it, um, that just goes to show if your center is Dwight Howard and your power forward is Anthony Davis and your small forward is LeBron James, it's just right? like
0: it's enormous. Yeah, yeah, it, it, I know
1: that's ridiculous to to be asking. It's just it's a, a bad matchup.
0: It's yeah, Kyle Kuzma out there. So like it's just that is a long, long team. They are they are huge. And and the Clippers, you know, are gonna be kind of equally long and difficult on defense. So that's really that's really it. Like I mean, those are the those are the Nuggets two big competitors right now. You know, the Jazz have really fallen off. Um, you know, they'll probably still be really competitive by the end of the year, but I think you know. Looking forward to me, it's really all about can the Nuggets get past the Lakers and the Clippers? Right. That's that's kind of the, the 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 riding narrative for the rest of the season. Is what do the Nuggets need to do to be able to to beat these teams? That game last night was very winnable. Their defense was there. Uh, the Nuggets only gave up 100 and what was it 103 to the Lakers? Yeah. Uh, again, really, that's fine at home. That's a win. That was that should be a win if you 100. play normal offense. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's you know it really did come down to the fact that they just didn't they they just couldn't score and they couldn't make uh, you know a lot of wide open shots really that they were able to generate on offense when the but the the shots weren't there consistently but when they were there they weren't they weren't they weren't hitting them and I I think that in it really was reminiscent to me of the playoffs last year when we saw the offense stagnate mm-hmm. I, I think this team hasn't quite. I don't know if this is something you have to figure out or just something you have to like experience and grow into. But when you play really good teams or you play in really big games, like the shots don't come easy. You have, you have to like, you have to make the big shots when you have them. Right. It, you you don't get and you don't get a lot of wide open threes. You don't get a lot of chances to hit big shots. And when you when when they're there, you need to hit them. Like one that stands out to me, I don't know, just for whatever reason, is uh, Barton's three that I think it was like a minute and a half left, and he got like basically a wide open three from the corner, and he bricked it. Like was that on it's the breakaway? Those kinds of shots. Yeah, I don't remember, but it was it was kind of at a key moment in the game. Like they were down by either one or four or something like that. And it was a, it was the type of shot that, like, you, you just have to make. It, there's And and, and th- that, those are the types of shots that I feel like the Nuggets right now aren't making. Uh, you know, with a few exceptions, we've seen Jokic hit a couple game winners. There's been a few things like that. But it's those, you know, those big, like, momentum shots, those big shots at the end of games. Those are the things that when you play off matchups and, and matchups against really good teams is when you can hit them. And when you can't, you lose. And it's like, I you know, sometimes we get... Uh, into some, you know, more complicated stuff. We get, we get down into, well, not on this show particularly, but <laughs> some people do. Get, <laughs> all right, all get right, in, all right. <laughs> get into, uh, yeah, a lot of, uh, you know, things about the Nuggets sort of like play calling or the types of offense or action they're running and things like that. And that all has value. But I mean, at the end of the day, it is a make or miss league. I mean, that's a cliche for a reason. Like if you hit your shots in big games, you win a lot of the time.
1: Um, yeah, I'm not happy so. with that conclusion. <laughs> I I I, I want to nitpick this stuff. I want to nitpick. All right, getting to the line. I'm not going to. I I I. You can't argue with with your conclu- conclusion. It's just, you know, whether or not you're the type of person to accept that or not. So that'll depend
0: on the listener listening. Well, I'm just. This saying- is not the type of show that just accepts things. <laughs> <so>. <laughs>
1: And now, for some reason, a basketball haiku by Nicholas Herzog.
0: All right, all right, all right. Enough already, team. Hit some shots. Hit them. Are we sure? Alright, Jeremy, it's time to play America's most exciting new podcast segment. Are,
1: Are we sure? sure? <laughs> All right. America's so excited. What about the rest of the world? Thrilled.
0: Well, we yeah, this is a this is an international podcast. Yeah. Shout out to Serbia.
1: Yeah, a couple of places. Actually. Perfect, perfect opportunity for me to already go off on a tangent before the first question. Okay. Um, shout out, I, I can't remember uh, your name, I probably should have looked it up before this, but uh, we've got Nuggets fans in Philadelphia. Um, what? I told you about how, uh, I was talking about that one place I was going to watch the the 76ers Nuggets game, and oh, right. uh, we had somebody hit us up, said uh, they're a Nugget, Nugget fan in Philadelphia and they wanted to to, to go along to it. I thought that was really cool. It made me really uh excited about the the possibilities here in Philadelphia. So um, Yeah
0: that's awesome. Just don't wear your jerseys in public. You'll get like a battery thrown at you or something. A battery. Like <laughs> yeah. The battery from that <laughs> that peace robot that they beat up <laughs>
1: <laughs> for anybody who doesn't know. I didn't hear about this. Yeah, like I, I it was uh like what was like a college in New York made like a peace robot that was supposed to uh be taken across the United States. It was an experiment to see how far a, uh, like, uh, <laughs> oh, that's right. yeah. Strangers would just like out of kindness, take the robot to somewhere else. And it made it like all the way to Philadelphia, which is an hour away and got destroyed, just mauled by <laughs> random zombie <laughs> people. <laughs> that's what we're dealing with here. It's oh, um, so perfect. but, but yeah, I, it, it made me think about, uh, last year, the stiffs were, uh, able to put together, um, through some great stiff followers in Australia, the first stiff stiff night out in Australia, and um, and even uh, Tim Conley wound up uh, calling in and buying uh, a round for all the the Nuggets fans at the bar. It was really really cool. Um, That's awesome. Yeah, I, I wonder. I I doubt we could wind up making that happen in Philadelphia, but at least now I can dream about it.
0: Whenever all right, I will say this sleep. right now, let's just let's just throw it out there. If the Australian Stiffs fans throw another watch party down there. You and I will come if they pay for it. And we will do a live show That's from a bar of their choice. That's
1: mighty bold. I don't know. Yeah, all right. All right. I would accept those terms. Anyway, what's the first question?
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, Jeremy. Are we sure that Jokic needs to shoot more?
1: Just hearing that question, I already knew you were gonna ask it, but mm-hmm. just hearing it again makes me want to stop talking and stop thinking. Um, okay, contextually, we saw we saw what Jokic does last season when he feels like uh, you know he's not shooting well, which was literally not put a shot up in a game that, <laughs> that happened last year. There was like, what, like a three game stretch where he had like, yeah. I don't know. Five Wasn't it the
0: Memphis, game? was it the Memphis game where he just refused to shoot? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, there's, I, I
1: think I'm going to, I'm going to wonder here, fictionalize a little bit. I think that Jokic is a lot more concerned with, um, outside perspective than he'd want to put on. I think it maybe kind of falls in. This is my uh, uh, psychiatrist hat. Is that what
0: it is? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. I've got my psychiatrist. J- Jeremy hat. Freud is yeah, in the house.
1: Exactly. Um, I think it falls in line with his behavior of of not wanting to agree with anything. You know, media asks him, he wants to respond in the exact opposite. Um, I think it falls in line with being the youngest brother of of a couple of brutes. I say that with all due respect and admiration. <laughs> Um, you know, I, I, I I think there, as much as he is like the most selfless player, maybe in the NBA at the same time, I think what comes along with that is, uh, and probably the way why he developed the game that he has, the unique uh, ability to pass so well is out of not wanting to be the person who the pressure falls to, to make shots because the guys who succeeded that are the ones who don't care so much or that even enjoy it. And if you go the opposite way, if you if you don't want it, then you find any other reason to not have to deal with it. And I think that's what we ca- kind of saw happen last season. And this season, I actually kind of give him credit because while he's not shooting well right now, he's still kind of shooting. Some, sometimes stupidly. In, in that Lakers game, I'm thinking of one shot in particular. He had a couple – where it was the dumbest shot. It, it was exactly... Yeah, he had
0: a really bad three. It was,
1: yeah, that three. I, I We're probably talking about the same one. Like, from the yeah. corner, uh, even a few feet maybe off the line, where it was exactly the player who you're like, that's a player that can't play with Jokic. Like, that's a player... He just <laughs> got the ball with 18 seconds left on the clock and just chucked up a bad three, not in the flow of anything. It, it was... it, it and I, So here, back to the question. I don't know if he needs to shoot more. But he needs to keep at least shooting. Um, He didn't have a ton of shot attempts in last night's game, but he was shooting even when he was kind of missing. And so to me, that's progress to a certain degree. And what you do is you shoot yourself out of slumps. That's how it works. That's how it works in basketball. It's how it works in baseball. It's how it works in football. You just keep doing it. We know that he's a good shooter. We have seasons upon seasons of him shooting well. So we know that this is the exception, not the rule. And and so I'm going to say – I'm going to say I'm not sure. Wait, I'm going to say I <laughs> oh, am right. sure that he needs to keep shooting more.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean what you just said basically was echoed by Barton last night who said that, you know, Jokic is missing shots right now that he makes just goofing around in practice. Like – He's like, you know, Barton basically said like this guy's got touch like you've never seen before. He just he just makes buckets like, you know, like without trying, just constantly. Like I mean, he just he just has that touch around around the hoop, and and he's missing little bunnies, he's missing you know little jump hooks that that are just super easy shots for him that he normally and and we know that I mean we've seen it like you just said like the we we know what Jokic can do offensively and the we know the kind of touch that he has around the basket. So to see him struggle like this is really frustrating um i'm gonna say that he doesn't need to shoot more necessarily but he does need to shoot better (laughs) and that's not (laughs) you'd be a great coach (laughs) right uh well in some ways i feel like that's probably what michael mike malone is sort of left with at this point Uh it's like (laughs) you know the coach can only get these guys into positions to succeed, they can only call a play or, you know, set up an offense that generates open shots or, or decent shots for, for their players. Then it's just a matter of making them like at some point he just has to hit some stuff. Like last night, you know, there were, there were a number of times that he had isolation uh, against Anthony, Anthony Davis. And he, and he was able to get a good shot off or, or, you know, some other player, uh, JaVale McGee or, or Dwight Howard or whoever. and, you know i didn't, i didn't see anything that they were doing defensively for the most part you talked about a shot that got altered um earlier in the game I and mean, there there were a couple of those but he has such a high arcing yeah. shot anyways and he's got such a array of offensive tools jump hooks and things like that that i it's really not there's there's really not another big man in the league that can prevent him from scoring um they can make it a little bit harder on him, but it's it really just is about him making his shots or not. Right, and actually to brag and even them.
1: there was one play, and it was in like the third or the fourth, where you could tell Jokic knew he was shooting bad, but he was still going after it, where he backed down Anthony Davis. It was incredible to watch. He just worked mm-hmm. and worked and worked and got himself to within an easy shot of, of the basket. And it's like, to me, when I saw that, I was like, that's exactly why Jokic is the size that he is. So, yeah, and everybody else shut up about the weight thing. Um, He just backed down Anthony Davis and, you know, a guy, whatever pounds, like I I don't even want to talk about the stats. A guy with the size that Jokic has was able to do that because of the size that he has.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting point too that I hadn't really thought about. But, you know, if you're not an athletic person, you know, if you're not going to jump over people, you know, maybe having some extra weight on some of these other players isn't the worst thing in the world, right? For the for him, that uh, just you know it goes with his game. He's got a uh, a flat-footed game, basically. Yeah. He doesn't. He doesn't. That's not his game. Is not jumping out of the building. So you know, if LeBron James puts on twenty or thirty extra pounds, that's a problem for LeBron, right? You know, that's that's really going to hamper this the sort of style of play that he has. But you know, maybe for Jokic, maybe we make a lot a lot. Of, of a little
1: yeah, uh, you think where's losing um, twenty pounds going to get him? Like th- th- there's yeah. there are some 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 things you could point out, sure, but um, what what his style of game like where does that get him? You know, is, is he all of a sudden Yokichu's uh, spinning around and you know cutting past people and getting the first quick step <laughs> yeah, here? That's, and, you know, <laughs> <right>. <laughs> like. We're never going to see that, and and so the only concern needs to be with his endurance, and that's where I still do have some concerns. But um, but that's the only thing that should come up when it comes to his size and weight is. And I'm I don't feel like
0: I've seen a lot of evidence. uh, you, You know, going back to the last year's playoff run, obviously where he had the you know 60 minute game, and and you know played like 40 minutes a game in the playoffs. And this year, really, I don't, I don't know that fatigue is really. I, I, I don't see fatigue being the issue. I mean, in generally, in most of these games, he's his best quarter has been the fourth quarter.
1: Yeah, it still so seems I, like it to me, it, it, and yeah. I, I can't give you a scientific reason. Um, you know, you did point out this was a guy who, you know, he was fourth in MVP voting last season. He was by any stat or measure a top ten player in the NBA. And yet you look at his uh, his peers in, in that category and all of these guys were averaging like five more minutes a game than he was. He was averaging like what? Like mm-hmm. 30 minutes a game last season? And then he goes into playoffs. He, he's playing basketball at a time of the year that he never had before in the NBA. And these playoff games, he's playing, like you mentioned, like I think he averaged like 36, 37 minutes a game. And mm-hmm. then you throw in that 60 minute game after already going seven games in the first round, and then seven games in the next round, and then he's ending up playing for his country over the summer, and and all the shots that he's missing, by the way, like ninety-five percent of them are falling too short. They're not too long. Yeah, they're not to the left or the right. They're just falling too short. They're either hitting the front of the. They're hitting the front of the rim. Is what's going on. So to, to me that that lines up a little bit. Um. In my eyes, in a fatigue factor. And again, there, there's no good way. It's not like we're going to sit him for a month and send him to the Bahamas or something like that. Uh, it really is just a playthrough kind of a thing. Definitely don't overplay him, but um,
0: just. Yeah. And he, so, this issue, to go back to the idea of him, whether he needs to be shooting more, you know, it, from Jokic's perspective, evidently. Um, he, he feels like since his shot isn't falling that the most productive thing that he can do is get other guys shots that he should be, le- he he should be just facilitating, letting people shoot who can actually make shots. Right. He basically said that in the press conference last night. Mm. And, and he even he went as far as to say like Malone shouldn't be calling any plays for him right now <laughs> until his shot starts falling. Um, I, I do totally understand where he's coming from. And I think that's actually you know, kind of a noble, like really interesting look at Jokic's character that you know, when his shots not falling, he's like, okay, well, now I gotta get the next guy involved. And that's I think the right like sort of mentality to have. But the problem is he's their he is their best player and their whole offense runs through him. Right. And the other team has to respect him as a threat offensively, or it makes things difficult on everybody else on the team. Mm-hmm. And so he's really, I, 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 he is in a tough spot. I get it. I mean, it's, it's gotta be just super frustrating to just not have your shot fall, you know, through a quarter of the season almost. And, and, and then, you know, feel like you're letting your, your, your team down every time you shoot, (laughs) you know, the, the, I mean, if he's actually in a place where he feels like a shot by somebody else is a better shot than one by him. Um, then, that's a that's a tough spot for your superstar yeah, to be in and I I, mean, hopefully he can yeah like you said just sort of shoot shoot himself out of that i i would kind of like to see at least one game where he just shoots like 27 times like right have a russell westbrook game <laughs> where you, you just try to blow through this you know yeah he's yeah he can get won. one right he can get one i'm fine with it i think his teammates would be fine with it honestly yeah
1: yeah i like it all right you can't be the coach I criticized (laughs) you before, I'm taking it all back. Okay, next question, Nick. Maybe even more divisive. Are we sure the Nuggets need a top offense?
0: I'm not sure anymore. Um, They have the number one defense in the NBA. And I don't see any reason that they can't continue playing top defense defense. For the rest of the season. I mean, they're some of their better defender players, defensive players like Torrey Craig didn't even get in that game last night, um, which is actually something interesting to talk about. I think he might've actually been a big help last night, but, um, you know, but there's they they, they have, they have such depth that injuries really shouldn't derail them. They seem to have the, the system in place that everybody's bought into, uh, on defense and, I you know, Jamal Murray has taken a big step forward. He's doubled his assists or his uh, steals this year. Yeah. And I, I, I've really been impressed. impressed. Yeah. Really been impressed with his defense this year. So far, Barton's been, been great defensively. Um, I think Millsap has been very solid, kind of what we expect from somebody backing up Jokic. And Jokic has actually been – last time I looked at his metrics like a couple of weeks ago, uh, he was a little bit better defensively than he was even last year where yeah. he was still serviceable. So, I, I was
1: just looking at that too. Um, he, he is, yeah. As much as you want to criticize some of the offensive stats, his defensive um, metrics are are up.
0: Yeah, so I mean – that all I think that's going to continue and I think we saw in the Lakers game that that defense is going to keep this team in games against good teams so would it be nice for the offense to be elite yeah <laughs> if you could match a really great offense with a really great defense that's that's how you win championships right but I don't know that the the Nuggets need a great offense I think they do need a top like 12 offense and right now they're like 18th or something you know i think there's a step up that they need to make clearly there is uh and i i wonder if if some of that is just as simple as guys need to start making more shots i know i keep going back to that but that's you know that's what malone was kind of harping on last night and i i'm sort of with him on that like in my article today i was looking at gary harris's shooting so far this year and i mean his his shooting is down almost across the board he's shooting the least amount from zero to three feet that he's ever shot in his career. And he's shooting worse than he did by, by a lot um, in that range. And then as you go out from the basket, it keeps getting worse. So his three to 10 foot range uh, is significantly worse than it was two years ago. And his 10 to 16 range is dramatically worse. Like he's shooting 31% from 10 to 16 feet. And he was shooting like 46% two years ago. So like there's, I mean, there is a lot of blame to go around. And you if you add all this up, if you look at Jokic uh having having his his shooting struggles, which we've talked about ad nauseum now, Gary Harris having shooting struggles and not being near the finisher that he was even two years ago, and Jeremy Grant's struggles, the, the the bench generally struggling shooting, but you know, Jeremy Grant in particular, you know, you add all that stuff up and you go, okay, well, that's the difference between a 18th ranked offense and a top 10 offense. And so you know maybe if those guys can can get it going, I, and I don't know what I don't know that there's anything schematically happening here or anything other than they're just missing.
1: Yeah, I, I think I think there's a mental thing when I think of this question about the big offense. Um, even all of last season, we were we were like, yeah, but it's not Jokic ball yet, and this season, obviously, the same thing. Um, I thought it was even worse. It's it's not. I, I I was kind of expecting Jokic's usage to be down quite a bit, and it's down a little bit. And you know, Murray's is up a little bit. But as much as I you I wanted to pour through the stats and find something here, it's it's only a little bit different than than previously. I I think there's a mental thing here, a a, a big other that as Nuggets fans we all kind of collectively subconsciously believed in it to the point that it came part, part of our identity with what we felt like the Nuggets needed to to win and, and something that we all latched onto when Jokic first took off, you know, three, four years ago. Um, and that was Jokic ball. And it was this free flowing, um, beautiful, wild. Um, I, I want to say charismatic, you know, like, personality was was shine through rather than math and angles it it was a lot of fun to dig in on and that's where i think this new generation of of nuggets fans and the old generation that that needed something to believe in we all kind of hinged upon and trying to detach from that i think is is where maybe the biggest issue lies with this question Um, at this point it looks like and what we've seen from past, if you've watched the NBA a decade or two decades or three decades, at the heart of it is control. And this is a type of, of style of game and a philosophy that I think this team has, which is about control more than anything. And defense is huge in that. And offense is huge in that too, but it's, it's different. It's not necessarily um, you know, the number one offense that's going to make this team win it all. It's, it's controlling it through the game. And, and one thing that does stand out to me with stats, um, at the Stiffs, we've kind of like done, done something where things that we want to see improved every season in, in the players. And for me, at Murray, for the past two seasons, has been his free throws. Free throws, actually, and you and I talked about this last season when we were talking about how to close the games. Um, free throws are a way to control the game. And it's a way to, to slow down um, a a wild team that that is that is playing um, hot. Um, it, it, it's a way to to control the game.
0: And Jamal Murray. <laughs> I just got the picture of like a wild stallion or something that needs to be iced with some free throws. Yeah, that's
1: exactly yeah. what it is. We need to turn this podcast into something video. Maybe just like we'll upload it <laughs> to YouTube and put imagery across it. Just for our metaphors. Right. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but it, Murray's style, it, it's so frustrating. He, he, will, he will dip in and then immediately just kind of cut back and take, you know, an eight-footer or something like that. And during the Lakers game, it was like there was a few times where, where he continued his drive. And, and it worked out to our benefit like every single time. He either made it to the line he, he, or he got a pass off to an open guy because they had to over-rotate. It only happened a few times. Again, he was most of the time he was dipping in and then, and then dipping back out with a, a weak shot or a pass. And I'm just – it was something I was saying like last week with you is that I don't think Murray will ever be a 20-point-per-game guy until he, he – is shooting at least four and a half free throws a game. And right now it's gonna be hard to ever see him being a four free throw four free throws a game shooter. Um he's got to continue his drive. He's got to not stop six feet from the basket, seven feet from the basket. He's got to continue his drive. I think I almost kind of wonder like if playing next to Moutier scared him because <laughs> Moutier was the guy. <laughs> Who who like a wild stallion would <laughs> jump from left to right and spin and knock off of guys and spin and go to the hit the basket at hundred miles per hour and his shot would just go wildly in some other direction <laughs> and that's why he's no longer in, uh, in town. Moutier. Yeah, a- a- and I I almost kind of wonder if, if seeing, yeah,
0: that, a- you know, Murray. I was just gonna say it seems like Murray's like default offensive mode is try to weave to get myself open for a jump shot yes
1: exactly not
0: yeah and that's just like i mean if you think about how james harden plays for example i mean obviously his game can't easily be replicated nobody can replicate it or ever has in the history of the nba but if you just even even learn a little bit from like how he plays he he almost isn't even concerned about his shot he is almost literally only looking for where the defender's arms are at. Right. Like if you watch him, like you can almost tell it's like he doesn't, his shot is like secondary to him. It's like, he knows he can just go up and shoot whenever it's just, where, where where's the guy at that's in front of me that I can like run straight into his arms. Uh And, or how can I set up this player so that their arms will come out in a way that, you know, like that's the game he's playing and, and Murray's playing the, how can I like weave in like a Harlem Globetrotter style? Like, infinity circle, um, you know, in order to get myself a little fall away, fade, fading jump shot. And I think that's the real evolution in his offensive game is what you're exactly what you're describing is he needs to learn how to go into guys and and draw fouls. And I don't know, that was something Malone talked about after the game that he's, he, he he is well aware of and he said he needs to focus. Yeah. He said he needs to coach his guys up on that. I would say Murray's maybe Murray and Jokic both, but Jokic just does just kind of naturally have this more finesse style because he can just kind of shoot over everybody. Yeah. But Murray can't, and so Murray really needs to learn how to get into guys. And like I think, like I use Donovan Mitchell as an example in my article today. Uh, Donovan Mitchell shoots like five and a half free throws a game, like almost twice as many as Murray. Um, you know, his handles better, and and he has a little bit more of an attacking style. But I, you know, that's the type of sort of player that I think, or the 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 type of kind of numbers that Murray should be working toward. I don't see any reason why he can't get up to between four and five attempts a game.
1: I almost kind of wonder with Jokic, you know, he's playing either on the block or even higher up. Um, so when Murray drives into the lane, you you wind up with Jokic's center, the, the, the guy on Jokic rotating uh, towards Murray, which is a little bit different when you typically have your center closer to the basket, the... the the, the center on him isn't really, like, rotating that much. Maybe taking a step towards you as you're driving into the paint. But it's a lot different than, than uh, a center, a big center, making a huge rotation towards you. Maybe that's more daunting to, to Murray. And so when he's driving in and he's got this big guy starting to clog up the paint with speed, you know, it's, it's maybe mm-hmm. – you know, the whole thing with Jokic uh, last year, the big difference that he made to his defense was he was no longer standing like a tree underneath the basket because point guards love that. If you're if you're not moving and mm-hmm. I'm moving fast, I can get around you easily as opposed to what Murray might be seeing now where he's got centers moving fast towards him like clogging up the lane. That might be a little bit scarier, but you you, you just like Jokic needs to keep shooting, Murray needs to keep driving. Like not stop these half drives mm-hmm. and and find your way through it and every time he did it in that Lakers game There was a positive. Maybe it wasn't points on the board, Mm -hmm. but there was a positive that came as a result of it. So, you know, hopefully it's something now in my imaginary world, me and Malone are sitting down with with Murray showing him. I'm not going to (laughs) expect Malone to be doing this, but in my mind we are.
0: And God, I hope Malone's listening to this podcast. I don't think we have to hope. I mean, I I think that's pretty (laughs) –
1: we can be pretty sure that that, this is a normal thing that, you know – Bobby brings yeah. into the office and, and hands over to Malone to listen in on. Um,
0: we love you, Coach.
1: Yeah, and Bobby. Uh, Bobby, by the way, is obviously their intern. But anyway, oh. enough of my my fictional writing.
0: <laughs> what were we talking about? Question? Oh, right. Do they <laughs> do they need a top offense? So yeah, like they need a better offense. I think that's. But are they going to be a top three, top five offense this year? I don't think they will be, but I don't think they need to be. Another but tangent. I think they need to be better.
1: Another tangent. Ryan Blackwood did an awesome job on podcast last last show. Um, I was kind of worried. That's a, yeah.
0: He usually does. That's a
1: guy who gets to know um, the backside of his own mic pretty often with his podcast. Uh, he does such a good job of making sure it goes out. It doesn't mean he always has a guest on. Um he totally just dipped right into your 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 river of charisma. This is the second time I said charisma in this show.
0: Yeah. Um it's a good word. Yeah.
1: And it's working. It's getting across what I want it to. Um and, and you guys you guys just flowed down the river of love. It was a fantastic episode. So props to him. Oh,
0: thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah, maybe we'll replace you.
1: You know what? Maybe, maybe occasionally, give this guy uh, a night with. Uh, well, this is a great excuse for whiskey. I went tonight with. Um, oh my goodness! I've already forgot. I wanted to say Valvani, but it's not Valvani.
0: Um.
1: Oh come on! What's a sixteen
0: year Isla? What's the sixteen year Isla? Oh, the sixteen year Isla, of course. Um, that would be the uh, the Hootenanny. <laughs>
1: Hootenanny! <laughs> oh my goodness, we're gonna make a Colorado hooch, uh hootenanny, Yeah, you have to say the in the Gaelic. Um, <laughs> um, for crying out loud, what's this? It's almost right next to Lafroy. Oh, this is ridiculous. Anyway, I just wanted to talk about how much I liked it, and apparently, I don't like it at all. Not enough to remember its name. Not enough to remember this Philadelphia Nuggets. Guy, fan's name. I can't remember anybody's name. <sighs> All
0: right, Jeremy, let's wrap it up. Are we sure that Barton is the answer at small forward?
1: Nothing's changed. Uh, I think it, it was two weeks ago, the last episode that I was allowed in on, um, <laughs> where at the height of of Barton Stock. It was the hottest stock to buy. Um, I think it said something about how you can't change the the math or the the the, the science behind his size. Like, he, he is who he is. And it's just, to me, it's an impossible uh, obstacle to overcome. I, I'm very happy that he's playing better. I'm very happy that his skill has come back to him. Um, But to me, all that is is value. I really hope that uh, that Connolly doesn't fall prey to the the hype, the Barton hype right now and the the bond because the reality is no amount of skill that Barton can put out there is going to be able to compensate for the size that we need when we go up against the Clippers or the Lakers. And either, A, you don't believe we're going to go up against them because – you're crazy and they're not going to make it or you're crazy and you think we're not going to make it or B you think we are going to go up against them and that we're going to be okay. And that just skill and, and will is going to make it all happen. And
0: I skill and will. Yeah. Like that. there's a
1: lot there. I, I've already been ridiculous yeah. enough. I didn't want to, uh, to tote to go any further with that will comment. Um, <laughs> it, it, he's got to be traded. He's got to be traded. And to me, the entire –
0: Barton has to be traded. Yeah,
1: the entire okay. point of this this kind of like season and Will being the starter, the unquestionable starter, was to get his value back up so that we could. We need a small forward solution. And honestly, that's also Michael Porter Jr. <laughs> I was kind of hoping I wouldn't go too long on this, but that guy needs some time. And I know there's there's been some badness with that, but but he does have the size and he needs to be training because I, I don't care about playoffs. I, I care about matchups. I don't care, I don't care about making it to the playoffs, I should say. That's, that's old school Nuggets fandom. We're at the point, we're all at the point where we know we're in the playoffs and we know there's only one or two obstacles to climb to get to a championship. And those one or two obstacles requires a, a player of Michael Porter Jr.'s size. So either we trade for the right player or we start training our player like he is the right player, and that's the end of the story for me.
0: I'm yeah. I'm starting to wonder. I'm. I'm also thinking a trade might be in the works here. Um, what about trading Gary Harris instead of Will Barton, and moving Will Barton to shooting guard? I'm. I'm cool with that because she, Barton's been much better than Harris has been so far this year you know maybe uh, what the the redeeming thing about Harris is that he's been really good defensively but Barton's actually been really good defensively too. So you, you wouldn't really have like a huge step down plus now you're moving Barton from tr- from guarding guys that mostly are bigger than him to guarding guys that are the same size as him or smaller in some cases. Yeah. at shooting guard. Um and he was I think one of the best isolation defenders at shooting guard when he when he played shooting guard a few years right. ago. Right. That's that was for the Nuggets, right? Yeah. So Yeah, so like Maybe that, as much as I hate to say this, like Harris is now. You know, he had a bad year last year. generally, he always has. He always has things that he adds to the team. So I'm not. This isn't to like bash Harris. I I, I like his game, like sort of in a bottle. But he's just not the same guy right now. His shooting just has to be there. This is, you know he's got to be able to finish at the hoop. He's got to be that forty percent three point shooter again, or his value is just limited. I mean he he's kind of like a Tory Craig at shooting guard right now. Uh it, which sounds weird to say, but like that if you look at the numbers, I mean that's kind of how he's shooting. Mm-hmm. So you know maybe maybe there's some other some other way to capitalize on the fact that Barton has been playing really well um but, but maybe still mixing things up. I don't know. But I, I I am I am starting to lean. I didn't even like a couple of weeks ago I didn't really think I the Nuggets were gonna make much of a of a splash in the trade deadline, I'm starting to kind of lean toward the idea that maybe they will, that maybe they are going to do a consolidation trade, if nothing else, just to kind of ignite things a little bit and clear some way, clear the way for Michael Porter Jr. to play more I, um, I think I, I think that's something the front office likely wants. it's um, it, well,
1: I, I don't know. I think if anything I, the the biggest issue here is that it's something the front office doesn't want. Uh, I, like is mpJ I just, playing I feel like I feel like Tim Connolly kind of has the perfect story for how the nuggets win a championship in his mind and he's just really hoping that things turn out that way and that perfect story is this team that we have right now and and so I I, I could see him kind of buying into the hype the, like okay yeah we haven't been playing well but we do have that record. And like, oh, look at Barton. Now he's playing well again. Like, believed in him and knew he could come through with it. But that's that kind of viewpoint is – it's not seeing the forest through the trees. That kind of viewpoint isn't taking into consideration what seven games against the Clippers would be like, what seven games against the Lakers are going to be like, even if we get seven games. Because the math just doesn't compute with those matchups. Like, at the end of the day, as much as – the Nuggets could be the number one seed in the West with this team as it is. Um, could look great. Bah, 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 bah. It, it, it's not about records. It's not about making it to the playoffs. It's about even one game at a time with how the Nuggets stack up against the Clippers. How the Nuggets stack up against the Lakers. And that's that's what we need to be focused on. And that's what I have concerns with that the front office might not be – keep it in mind. So we'll see.
0: Yeah. So I don't know, Tim Connolly. I, I hope this is something I hope for all GMs is I want them all to be kind of sociopaths. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> yeah. I already know where you're going. Like,
0: <laughs> and you're right. They have to not care about human beings. Like, and it sounds horrible. Well, okay. Put it this way. Their job is a, it's a cold one. I mean, they uh, need to, put the best team on the floor that has the best chance of winning a championship regardless of emotion, regardless of uh, nostalgia. And I do think the Nuggets are getting to a point now where, I mean, we even talked about this last year. They just have still kind of a weird mix of of talent that like the, the best players are kind of in like overlapping positions in some cases. And just like, there's just sort of a weird mix. And I think some sort of cold blooded consolidation trade you know, might be, might be in, in order here. If, if Connolly's willing to do it on the other hand, there is something to be said for trying to stick it out with a core of players who have grown up together and who have made a lot of progress. So.
1: Uh, I, I kind of like your idea with, with, moving Barton to a shooting guard. Cause also when you think about the story line and the, the emotions and chemistry of the team, um, everything that we've heard, like, I hate, I hate to boil it down, uh, to this, but it sounds like the players on this team would like (laughs) having Bill Barton around, um, maybe more than Gary Harris. It's kind of like being forced to pick between your children. Um, but But just saying if if their effect, if the end result of their effect is going to be the same um, on the court, then maybe off the court starts to play a role there.
0: Well, we have wrapped up our short 58-minute podcast. <laughs> you, we could we chopped it
1: down. <laughs> Normally, we have like six questions, and even that was chopped down. We used to have like 10 questions, like five questions each segment. Yeah. Um, we could have like one question, and we'd still end up with a
0: 58-minute podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we'll tune in next week when we try again to have a 35-minute podcast. That will be an hour. <laughs> He's Jeremy Poli. You can follow him at Jeremy Poli on Twitter. You can follow me at Nick Herzog, SBN. Peace.